And I wanted this morning to talk a bit about uh, what I've been doing over the last six weeks. Uh, it has been an amazing time, and I'm very grateful for the time uh, that you gave me to go on this trip and uh, for the disruption that's caused to the life of this parish. Uh, so I thought I would report back a little bit of my adventures, as I've called them, John's Grand Adventure. Uh, so I thought I'd just uh, start off by talking a little bit about where I went. Uh, so the first two and a half weeks were in the Solomon Islands, and you can see uh, where the Solomon Islands are there. They're right next door to Papua New Guinea. And so like the people of Papua New Guinea, they are Melanesian. And so that picture of me last week that Laurie put in the new sheet of me in a lava lava, uh, that did not happen there because Melanesians don't wear lava lavas. They wear shorts. And... Uh, And that's, uh, that is the country of uh, Solomon Islands. So I flew into uh, Honiara, which is the one with the big star. Uh, this island here is called Gala, uh, which is an important island uh, for us. Uh, it was the home, it was where the capital of the Solomon Islands was until the Second World War. Uh, and it was also where a man called Charles Fox spent uh, a large chunk of his time in the Solomon Islands. Charles was a New Zealander. Uh, he retired to Waipu, um, lived in Napier. Um, Dorothy Brooker knew him after he came home. Uh, and he is one of the great missionaries of the Solomon Islands. He translated the Book of Common Prayer into plain English, and their services today still use his translations. And if you think some of the stories about the old saints were weird, if you go to... Uh, Solomon Islands and listen to the stories about Charles Fox, you will hear exactly the same weird stories. So I was told on Gala, where he lived, that whenever the water tanks went dry, Charles Fox would go out with a stick and beat the water tank and it would rain later that day. <laughs> and there were lots of other stories just like that about this man who is regarded as a saint. So he was on Gala. Uh, I went there last time, not this time. So I went from Honiara through to Alki. I had three days on Alki and then I came back to Honiara. Then I flew down to Kirakira. My bag stayed in Honiara on this occasion. I had three days on Makira in Kirakira. Uh, then I went back to Honiara. Then there's a little island out here. It's called Sabo. It's a little volcanic island. We got into a little plastic canoe with an outboard motor. I did spy a couple of very old life jackets at the back of the boat. Thought if we do capsize, I'm not going for those, I'll look for something else. Everyone else sat on all the produce that was sitting in the boat. And off we went uh, an hour and a half in the open sea out to Sabo. Uh, and then the trip back, uh, no seats, just a pallet on the bottom of the, uh, bottom of the canoe uh, with the slats going long ways. And it is very difficult to sit on slats going long ways when you are going bounce, bounce, bounce at speed across quite choppy water. I was very impressed that after a week and a half, my bottom was hard enough to actually survive an hour and a half on a wooden seat going bouncing on the water. And if I go back, I will spend hours sitting on our pews without cushions just to toughen myself up before I go there. There are no soft seats in the Solomons. Uh, and then my last time uh, was, my last few days were actually on Garda Canal around Honiara. 
So these are the people I've spent my time with on Makeda. And on Makeda I arrived, um, in the evening I led a session talking about what it meant to be Franciscan and doing some dreaming about the future. Uh, the next morning I preached and presided at the early morning service. Uh, we had a chapter meeting, uh, and then we did some sightseeing. And then uh, the next day I spent some time with the bishop. Now, Pidgin is the language of the Solomon Islands, not English. English would be, if people speak English, their third or fourth or fifth language. So that was quite challenging to lead all of that uh, and trying to keep my language simple enough so they could follow it. Uh, and I had to think hard about how I led all of that. It is very interesting to chair a meeting where you are speaking English and everyone else is speaking pidgin. And I can follow pidgin while it's simple, but as soon as it gets complicated, I'm gone. At best, I can pick up the theme of what they're talking about, but I've got no idea of the of what the detail is. And my problem was that I, I know a tiny piece of pigeon. Me, John, me blow New Zealand. Me have three pickaninnies. So on the base of that, they thought, me savvy pigeon. Me no savvy pigeon. <laughs> so I, without my bag, went to Kira Kira, and this is uh, the warrior welcome I got there. Uh, this was a friendly warrior welcome. They're not always friendly. They're not like the haka here. Uh, one of the people I went to Malaita with, he'd gone to cross to Gala uh, on a Franciscan mission, and they went with some people from one village to another village. But these two villages were in dispute over land. So their warrior welcome was a real warrior welcome, and some of the villagers that went with them got beaten up when they arrived there. So they had a real ministry of reconciliation. So, But these guys, they were all friendly. So that was quite nice. These are some of the friars. Uh, just making me feel welcome. Uh, so on Kira Kira, I led several sessions. Uh, I preached on the Sunday morning in the cathedral. Now you guys think that our services are too long sometimes. In the Solomon Islands, they just have one service on Sunday morning. It will start about 6.20. There's no fixed start time. But it was, it's about 6.20. And they'll have morning prayer. And that'll go for about half an hour. And then they'll have about a three minute break. And then they will have the pre-Eucharistic service service. So this is a service of confession and repentance. Which goes for about 15 minutes. And then there'll be another little break. And then we will start the communion service. Which will go for at least two hours. Maybe longer. So I just want you to remember that. When you're complaining about how long my services are, we could just go to the Solomon Island. So this is my uh, waiting to leave Keta Keta. Uh, so I, I led sessions, preached, chaired a meeting, uh, went to see the village where the diocesan staff live, which is about 15 minutes drive up the road. Uh, the trucks there, those are the common forms of transport. That's a taxi. Uh, everyone just sits in the back. Uh, and then on the, on the last morning I preached and presided. That was interesting because uh, I didn't know I was preaching and presiding. And so on the, on the Sunday night they said, oh, well, tomorrow morning you don't need to take your session. 
you can just use that for your sermon when you're preaching and presiding. And I went, pardon? When I'm what? When you're preaching and presiding, taking our service tomorrow morning. All right. Okay. That's fine. So this is the plane I'm going to fly out on, landing on the airstrip. So it's all very basic. And uh, when we arrived, I discovered my bag wasn't there because I was standing outside the plane watching all the bags come off and thinking, none of these look like my bag. My bag's on this plane. Uh, when I got back, I went up to Koi Marama, uh, which is where the theological college is. And we have a link in the diocese with Koi Marama. Uh, George Connor, who uh, was the principal at Siota Theological College on Gala, moved the theological college across from there to Koi Marama. Uh, so there's this uh, area there, there's a the theological college where the priests go to be trained, and then uh, next door to that is the... Um, the home base for the Melanesian brothers, so where they do all their novice training. Um, there's quite a lot of toing and froing. Uh, so John Patterson, uh, the guy in the blue shirt, he's the, um, he's the chaplain at the Theological College and he's the new regional minister for the Third Order in, in Melanesia. That's his wife, Betsy, behind him. Uh, and the guy in the brown shirt is Brother Clifton, who's uh, the minister provincial for the Solomon Islands for uh, the First Order. <coughs> he was our taxi driver. That's the truck we went up and back in. Um, I got to speak there with the faculty, all of the faculty. Um, the students were out with their wives and now doing a women's studies course, which is a new initiative. And they were there. And it was, um, it was good that, I, that they were able to come. I'm not sure how much input they get. So that was a... I, I felt quite honoured later on. I'll talk a bit about that, that I was able to do that. Uh, so that was a really good day, going up there and spending time there. And then uh, the plastic canoe out to Sabo. Uh, so I took a DVD out to Sabo to leave there. Everywhere else had had electricity, although the friary down at Kerakera didn't have electricity. They just have, um, you can't actually see one there, but they have little solar panels that sit in the, in the roofs, uh, which they recharge any battery-operated stuff, like torches, and if they're in a cell phone area, cell phone coverage. And there was actually cell phone coverage, basic, out there. Uh, but on Sabo, there is no electricity. There's no running water. Uh, they do have a, plant, a kind of concreted in uh, toilet down on the water shore, waterfront with water in it. Uh, uh, but most, nearly all the houses are like this. Leaf houses. Uh, so that's... that's how people live out there. And that was pretty relaxed a uh, few days, uh, except we did climb the volcano behind here, so that's a bit over 3,000 feet. So it's about 33, 34 degrees, uh, and the stream we're walking up beside uh, was coming out of the volcano, so it was warm at the bottom and increasingly uh, got hot. So by the time we got about halfway up, it was very much like walking in a sauna. Uh, so I was, I was quite proud of myself that I got up there. Uh, and there were lovely little green ants that when they get on you, they bite you. So the first you know about it is when you're going, I'm so itchy. So I had lots of little bites on me from the green ants. So that was a good few days. Uh, on Sabo, they don't have a priest, so I was asked to preach and preside there. Uh, the service was in English, Charles Fox plain English. Uh, but all the responses, they said the responses will probably be in pidgin, but maybe in language, which is the language they speak. It's all sung. Uh, 
They were all in language, so I never knew when we had finished the responses. There were always big gaps between when they finished and when I would carry on. And the tricky bit was, the end of the Great Thanksgiving, there's the sung response, and then there's the Agnes Day. And during the Agnes Day, it's very high church, the priest bows and beats his chest three times. And while he's doing that, somebody rings a bell three times. But I did not know when we had finished the response and when we had started singing the Agnes Day. There was no gap. We just carried on through. So I'm standing there thinking, uh, we've sung for a long time, so I'm just going to pick that we're now in the Agnes Days and, and have a go at it. I was lucky. I asked somebody afterwards and they said, oh no, you were fine. Uh, David from here said he expected one of the others who'd come with me to stand with me just to talk me through it. But John said, who'd come with me, oh no, he's fine, he knows what he's doing. He doesn't need help. So uh, it's just so different from church here, but I'll talk a bit about that too. Uh, David, who's here, uh, he's one of the landowners. He's uh, uh, the area convener for the Franciscans there. Last year, the uh, chiefs of Sabo and the government signed a contract that they could build a geothermal station on the, on the volcano. But there was no consultation with the landowners. So when the company came to start work on this, the landowners organised by David blocked them. Uh, and he was arrested and imprisoned in Honiara for a while. Uh, they've now released him, uh, and they realise they're going to have to negotiate. The trouble is... Uh, None of the powers going to the villages on Sabah, it's all for Honiara. And uh, so they're in a lose-lose situation. They'll lose their hot water streams, they'll lose access to the volcano. Uh, so they're fighting hard to stop it. But you can understand this is cheap source of power, which they need in Honiara. And then, uh, my, one of my last days in Honiara, I chaired a chapter meeting. Again, um, most of the time in Pigeon. Uh, so I chaired the first half and then I got John to chair the second half. Um, it's very interesting chairing a meeting when they're in a, using a different language. I then had a week uh, in Australia, uh, two nights with Bonnie's sister and her family in Brisbane and the rest of the time in Newcastle, just out of Newcastle, about 40 minutes out of Newcastle at Stroud, where the brothers, the Franciscan friars, have a, a friary on a big area there. Uh, so this is a picture of that. And that was just nice, joining them for their five services a day and uh, being part of that rhythm of life and prayer. Uh, reading in between that and being fed far too much food. And then my last two weeks were in Cape Town. Uh, well, there's Cape Town there. Um, in fact, we were down here at Simonstown, uh, which is uh, the naval base for the South African Navy, uh, quite near Cape Point. Uh, a beautiful, beautiful place to be, uh, about an hour out of Cape Town. So I had a week of a meeting, and here's all the, fr all the ministers there. We get together about every two years, and the next meeting will be in New Zealand in two years' time. And then my last week, uh, Avril stayed, who's at the end there, and she and I did a whole lot of touristy stuff, so that's Cape Town. Uh, from the boat coming back from Robin Island, and you can see Table Mountain there under its traditional tablecloth. Uh, if, that ta if that cloud was not there, you would be able to see snow on Table Mountain, which is a pretty rare thing. Uh, it felt like it was snowing while I was up there. The day before, I would have to say. 
So the rest of the pictures are of my time there. This is uh, one of the highlights for me was during our meeting we went to one of the townships uh, in Cape Town. Uh, there are just thousands and thousands of uh, Africans coming down from Malawi, Congo, Zimbabwe and the, um, uh, and the places where they were held in South Africa. Uh, their homes in South Africa and coming down to Cape Town looking for food and so uh, looking for jobs. So there's this, uh, one of the townships is just massive. And one of, the, one of the issues for the government is A, building these townships so there's places for people to live, but then building housing, proper housing for people later on. And so it's an ongoing issue. Uh, this is a foster home that the parish in Simonstown run in Mussey. Uh, and so that lady is employed to look after these three, uh, after these six kids. Uh, the littlest one will never go back to her family. Uh, the others, there is a possibility that they'll go back. Um, by law, you can only have six children in each foster home, so and you have to work to return them to their families. Uh, so and they're trying to find some land to build a second foster home in Mussy as well. So it was great to be able to go out and see some of what was happening. Um, what I'm especially grateful for for my time away is uh, the people that I got to meet, particularly in the Solomon Islands. Uh, these are people that I pray for every month. And I, uh, it is an incredibly, incredible privilege to be able to go over there and meet them. Um, and I recognise that I am in a very privileged position. I am the only person in our province who has met uh, probably two-thirds of the people on our intercession list. Now, I've met most of the people in this country and I've now met a pretty big percentage of the ones in the Solomon Islands. Uh, to get to know them a little bit, to experience something of their lives uh, and to recognise uh, the difference between our lives, to talk to people who uh, would have to pay 400 Solomon Island dollars to come to meetings, 200 for the boat, 200 for the petrol... Uh, it will take them all day on their boat to get from where they live round to Keta Keta. Um, this is one of the main roads in Malaita. You need a four-wheel drive with a high wheelbase to get round there. Uh, so, so that's a good road. Uh, and that wasn't the biggest puddle we went through. Uh, or uh, Harry, who would spend all day on a truck getting back up to where he lived at the other end of Makita and then spend three to four hours walking home from there. Uh, he does have a cell phone, but it takes an hour to walk out from his village up a hill to get cell phone coverage. So using the cell phone isn't that big and it isn't that useful. And there's no electricity out there, so again, he needs a solar panel on his roof to be able to recharge it when he does use it. Um, we worry when we have to drive half an hour or a couple of hours somewhere. Charles who walks for two days to get to area meetings. Uh, and I said, well, where do you sleep? And he said, well, when I get tired, I just lie down and have a sleep. And then when I wake up, I stand up and keep walking again. Um, the kind of life that people live is just so different. Uh, I enjoyed, I particularly appreciated the time I spent um, uh, and all that I read and, and learnt. Um, one of the things that went through this was slavery. Uh, one of the books I was reading on the way over and while I was in the Solomons was a book about Francis written by a third order Franciscan uh, who's a sociologist 
and she'd done a whole lot of research on the slave trade and had been to Ghana and described the conditions of the place in Ghana where a lot of the slaves were kept before they were shipped out. And Cape Town was built on slavery. Even after slavery ended, uh, the British decided that the, all the slaves would just become unpaid apprentices and were still locked in with the people they lived with. Uh, and so slavery was a big thing throughout the trip, and I spent some time in the Slave Museum in Cape Town. Um, so I appreciated uh, all that I was able to uh, hear and read and see while I was away, and I particularly enjoyed the time to kind of rethink what it means to be Franciscan and to talk with people in the Solomons particularly about that and to be able to bring that to the conversations in South Africa with the other ministers. Um, this is a counselling centre that John Guerrier and Malaita is building uh, to work with, um, with uh, families in crisis, particularly the women and their children. Uh, so he's slowly building this leaf hut. Uh, it's great. And all of this is built on swamps. As far as I can work out, Malaita is one big swamp uh, with canals that kind of drain some of the land so they can build on it. Um, one of the great joys was actually being in a country which doesn't speak English, which pushed me to think about how I led sessions, uh, to learn a little bit of pidgin, keep my English really simple. The words I and us disappeared from my vocabulary. It was me and you me, uh, you fellas. Uh, so, uh, instead of thank you. Uh, just having to learn a slightly different vocabulary and having to struggle to listen to understand what people were saying. Uh, you might think that would be a problem, but actually I really enjoyed the challenge of that. One of the, uh, I guess, um, some of the observations that I would like to... Oh, no, there's a page here. Uh, about my time away was... Um, Oh, no, one of the other things was uh, Solomon Islands and my time in Australia was in a very Anglo-Catholic environment. Uh, our church here in this country is very informal, it's very relaxed, it's very low church. And to be in a very, well, Solomon's is hardly formal, but it's, uh, or not relaxed, but it's very Anglo-Catholic. So there is lots of smells and bells even the little services that I presided at, I still had to genuflect. I still had to elevate while they rang bells. I uh, still had to be able to um, know when to bow and what to do. Uh, the gospel is still kissed after it's read. Uh, so all of those things I had to learn. <coughs> and I paid a lot of attention and kira kira to what the priest was doing there, which was lucky the next week, because uh, I then had to operate the thurible. And I just loved it. I loved having to pay, pray the Angelus at least once a day, uh, and in Australia pray it three or four times a day, and to finish each day with the Marian anthem. Uh, it's just great to be immersed in a different tradition from ours, and to be pushed a bit. And uh, that enriches me, and I wish more people could be exposed to that kind of environment, really. I think it enriches how we approach our services and our theology, how we think about God. So some observations about that, some things that I learned about myself. Um, the first was, it was humbling to see 
how much people appreciated that I made the effort to go to be with them. Uh, they appreciated what I did while I was there, but the fact that I took the time to go to Malaita, to go to Makira, to go to Sabo, people really appreciated that. Not many people do that. The people go to the Solomons, they go to Honiara. They do the tour around Honiara, and then they leave. To actually go out to the islands is a rare thing. So people appreciated that. So I appreciated that I'd allowed the time to be able to do that. I learnt, uh, well I knew that already, but I was uh, confronted by how pampered we are in this country. Uh, and I discovered that uh, when I lost my bag and I realised, well there's a few drugs that I take that hold me together and I didn't have my anti-malarial tablets uh, and I said that to somebody and he kind of gave me this funny look because Solomon Islanders don't have anti-malarial tablets. They just have malaria. It's part of their life. You know, and they, they, have to, they all have it, and they all have to live with it, but it's just a fact of life. And here was me, worried that I didn't have my anti-malarial tablets. Uh, we all, on the trip back on the canoe was really hard, and everyone got off the boat with a sore back, and I thought, oh man, it's another four weeks till I can get to the chiropractor to get this sorted out. <laughs> no one else on that boat was ever going to see a chiropractor. You know, like their backs... We're going to be sore. John spent the next day lying on the floor on the refractory in the friary with a sore back. And that's never going to be fixed. Because in this country we can get stuff like that fixed. But over there, the drugs that I assume I have access to and the medical care that I assume I have access to is largely not accessible. You have to be on near one of the hospitals to get anywhere near that kind of stuff. Even on Kira Kira, that kind of medical care is just not there. And there was a lot, and it kind of made me realise that um, we have a real pampered life. When I was given rice with chicken, a little bit of green stuff for two meals out of three, and I think a little bit of variety would be good, actually they were just giving me what they eat. And they made sure that I had lots, so there was lots and lots of rice. Way too much rice. I could not deal with the amount of rice that I was given each meal. But, you know, and that leads me to the second part. Was I was surprised. I would have said I was a pretty aware kind of guy, but I was surprised at how my white, middle-class New Zealand values just kept getting in the way. So I got to Malaita, and I'm shown my room, and all I could see when I walked into that room was a dark, grimy room. And it took me a few seconds to actually see beyond the grime and to see that actually somebody had spent a lot of time cleaning it. It was clean, it was grimy, but clean. Bed was made, there was a towel. I was the only person that had a room. Everyone else was out on the, on the floor, out in the main meeting area. But because all I could see was the grime, I kind of blocked their generosity and hospitality. Um, the same with the food. I kept thinking it would be nice to have some more or less rice without actually seeing the generosity and the effort that people were making to make sure that I was well fed and was looked after. Um, and the last, the last thing was we spent a lot of time sitting around talking, um, chewing bitter nut. And, well, I didn't, but everyone else was, mostly everyone else was chewing bitter nut. And, um, and I thought, man, there's nothing. 
doesn't anyone do anything in this country? They're all sitting around talking all day. And after all, I thought about that and went, maybe they're onto something. We spend a lot of time doing things. Getting on with the next task. Making sure that we're busy. And yet, I think actually what a lot of people would really like is the opportunity just to sit around and talk with people. And if that happened, we'd have a whole lot less lonely people. I suspect that we are far too busy and that I could learn something from them and just sit around and talk with people. And that that would actually be quite a productive thing to do. Life goes on in Solomon Islands, but they're just not as busy as us. So it was quite a learning time. There's a whole lot more I could talk about. I could talk about the difference between townships in South Africa and Solomon Islands, and they are quite different, and they both have townships. Uh, The importance of slavery was another thing, but I'm sure these kind of things will come through uh, sermons as I preach them in the future. So I just wanted to say I really appreciated uh, the time that I was given to go away and experience all of this. Uh, It allowed me to fulfil some obligations that I needed to fulfil. So that was good, but it was also a personally enriching time. Uh, So thank you for allowing me to do that, and and, uh, I hope that that will enrich our journey together as we continue to be the parish here in this place.